You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Chelsea. And today we are going to talk about Felicia Albina Thomas. And this case kind of almost, I want to say, links up with another case that we did a while ago. So we'll talk about that. But it'll bring back some old stuff. And I'm really upset that Sarah wasn't here because it was one of her cases and I knew she knew a lot about it. So we'll figure it out. Oh, she's too busy with Harry Potter right now. I'm a little bit jealous, (laughs) I'll be honest. I really want to go to that. Me too. (laughs) So Felicia was a 22-year-old working her shift at Pump and Pantry on February 11th, 2004. Now, this Pump and Pantry was located in Lake Town, PA, which is in Luzerne County. And what's really helped me with the location is noting that this is near Ricketts Glen State Park. Have you ever heard of that one? Oh, yeah. Yep. I've been there quite a few times, actually. Yeah, Mm -hmm. me too. I absolutely love it. Uh, I am a huge waterfall hiking person. And this one is like super known for it. It has, I think, 21 waterfalls on its trails. Um, Mm -hmm. And it kind of helped me because it is pretty popular to kind of put where they're located in Pennsylvania. But back on track, Felicia finished her shift approximately 1130 p.m. to 12 a.m. There wasn't like a set time. Her co-workers said that when she was leaving, she was in good spirits and her home was fairly close. Uh, She didn't drive at the time and it was located near the 100th block of Route 118. That night, since it was so late, she did have a co-worker drive her home. At the time, she was dating Ed Rudaski. When she got home, Ed was sleeping on the couch. As she entered the house, it kind of stirred him awake. They had a brief conversation that ended with her asking where he put the beer. He told her that it was outside in his ATV, which to me is kind of confusing. I don't really know why. Yeah. Why would you keep the beer there? Yeah. And remember, this is in February. So it's probably cold. Like, wouldn't it break? I don't I don't drink, so I don't really know the, the logistics of things. It could potentially, like, freeze or expand to the cans or... I guess it depends if it's cans or bottles or what, but I don't yeah. know why. It, why would you keep it outside on your ATV? I don't know. I... I don't know. (laughs) I thought it was really weird personally, but again, I don't drink. So who knows? I don't know. She went to go get this beer and I guess he drifted back to sleep because I guess like it is kind of late, I suppose. And I don't know, but they're younger. Who knows? Whatever. Everyone has like different. That's late as hell for me. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'd be dead asleep by then. And who knows what he worked? He could have worked like first shift or whatever. I, I have no idea. I don't know that part. He ended up waking up, going into his bedroom, kind of surprised that he didn't see Felicia there. He searched the rest of the place and when he couldn't find her, he drove the ATV to a friend's house thinking she could be there. And to me, I'm like, why can't you just call? (laughs) Um, It's like has to be past 1am at this point. So like I'd be, I'd rather get a phone call than a random person showing up at my house asking for someone when you could give like a a nice like call. I don't know. Is that just me? Yeah. No, I would have called. And I mean, it's 2004. It's not like I don't know. Beginning of the 
19th century. Like, does everyone have a phone? Like, I don't. Yeah, I thought it was. You easily could call someone. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I definitely thought it was weird. Um, Either way, she wasn't there. So Ed went back to their place and waited for her. And she was never heard from or seen again. It took me a hot minute to figure out who actually reported her. Um, But it wasn't Ed. He never reported her. I guess didn't bring it up to the mom from what I could read. Uh, And her mother, Pauline Bailey, was the one who reported her missing almost 48 hours later to the state police at 5.30 p.m. on the 13th. And we all know, like, those first 24 hours are critical. Mm -hmm. And I think the... From what I can read, like I said, there's not a lot of info about when it first happened. But from what I gathered... She found out that she was missing because Pump and Pantry contacted her to let her know her check wasn't picked up. Okay. That's what I could find. Hmm. It is said that when Pauline tried to reach out and talk to Ed that he wouldn't pick up or the one time that there was an answer, it was his mom kind of just saying, oh, she left. Kind of alluding to like it wasn't like an issue or anything, which I think is weird. That is weird. Did his mom live with him? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Which is also weird. Yeah. Though the police say that Ed has always cooperated with them and he has yet to be listed as a suspect. On the 11th, a co-worker had given her a, had given Felicia a ride home and he was interviewed and also cleared. Searchers found mysterious notes while looking for her. The notes alluded to a body which was supposedly behind the Mountain Fresh supermarket in Pikes Creek, PA. This location was extensively searched by police, but nothing was ever found. And that particular market was only a tenth of a mile away from Pump and Pantry. So like, it obviously was a possibility that she could have been there, but they didn't find anything. Investigators Hmm. searched the home of Stephen Allen Martin, a friend of Ed's, for evidence relating to the disappearance. The police never released what was recovered, and this name should sound familiar with you all if you listened since the beginning, because it was mentioned in our first ever episode regarding Cindy Song. And I know how much uh, Sarah loves that case. Um, yeah. Yeah. She did a lot of research work, too. So if not a lot of you remember, it was about her case, Cindy Song. There was a theory about Hugo Selensky. Now, Stephen, the person in our story, he was an associate of Hugo Selensky's, and Selensky was a man that it was accused for killing two people and then I believe 12 bodies were uncovered in his yard and people had speculated that it could have been Cindy. I don't know if Sarah mentioned it. I'm sure she did, but in some of the articles I was reading, apparently they burned them so bad that they could never really distinctly tell who 10 of the bodies were. Only two of them were able to be identified. But the important thing to note is that Steve was Hugo's neighbor and it also had been reported that Felicia had a connection to Hugo because of Ed, her boyfriend. Ed had taken her to a party where Hugo was also a guest. Apparently, they had partied a handful of times with Hugo. So it's just important to note because when we get into theories, it's going to rely heavily on that, like, connections. So back to our case. Steven said that he had called Ed shortly after 11.30 p.m. on the 11th. He said that Felicia picked up the phone, and when he asked to speak to Ed, she told him that he was sleeping. Now, to the police, this kind of corroborated Ed's timeline. And it is interesting to note that Steven is linked to another missing persons case, Jennifer Barzalowski was Stephen's girlfriend's 18-year-old sister. Jennifer disappeared from Edwardsville, PA in 2001, and we will be talking a little bit more about her in the theories. 
But that being said, this Mar- is so bizarre. It is. And it's like, a lot of like random coincidences <laughs> and connections. And there was one article and I was having such a hard time keeping the people and different and the cases separated because they're like, she said, he said, her, him. Th-. And I'm like, which one is it? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's I'm like reading along trying to. Yeah. And there's a lot of names. Keep my place. Oh, so many names. Yeah. Yeah. So it does get confusing. So I'm sorry. I'll try my best to not have not have it confusing. But Steve Martin was listed as a person of interest in both of their cases because he was the last known contact with both women. Problem is Martin was involved in a police chase in December of 2004, which resulted in the death of an innocent bystander. My God. Yeah. And I I want to say, I think Sarah mentioned this in the Cindy Song case, but I could be wrong. So that's why I'm repeating it. Sure. Um, he was sentenced to 10 and a half years in prison. And in August of 2005, a month after arriving in prison, he hung himself. Prison staff ended up cutting him down and rushed him to the hospital where he later died. But all throughout everything, he maintained his innocence in both Felicia and Jennifer's cases until he died. Really? So why did he hang himself? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some stuff that is just oh, okay. kind of, yeah, you know. They always say Uh, they didn't do it. Always. Always. So Trooper Kelly said that it was the worst time of the year to be missing because the trees are in full bloom and the area has a heavy canopy. I was kind of confused because it's February. And to me, I wouldn't think that. Maybe because it's like going into the spring. It could be. Still, yeah, it's not quite there yet in the beginning of February. Yeah, that's what I but was thinking. But maybe as you get like weeks out, then it's starting. That's true. To get fuller. But I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah. He did say that the area has like a pretty heavy canopy and mm-hmm. not to mention those areas have swamplands and creeks and like we already talked about the waterfalls and stuff like that. It's a hard area to search and yeah. walk along especially for like volunteers i do think uh in some of the areas they needed like i guess special uh people to do it i know i know now there's a lot of places in at least ricketts glen that people are now now no longer allowed to walk that they used to be able to walk i guess because so many people get hurt yeah yep So Pauline Bailey, Felicia's mother said hundreds of people came out. They came out on quads. They came out on horseback. Everybody was really trying to help. And the official search was called off after only two months, though the family kept searching. And I can only imagine it being called off because it was just so much land and they didn't really even know where they were supposed to be searching. Yeah. And it's kind of just really sad. And like Ricketts Glen is like on a giant mountain. Like yep. it's a mountainous area. So yeah, it's it's got to be really, really tough to search. Yeah. And they really had no definitive clues or ideas of where she could really even be. So I'm sure it made yeah. it hard. In 2010, there were two teens riding their ATVs in a ravine. There they discovered a skull and it was located within a mile of Stevens' home. Obviously with two missing persons cases, a lot of people thought that it had a potential to be Felicia, but it turned out to be Jennifer's skull they used her dental records and it came back as hers wow yeah and it was only it was less than a mile away from steven's house and this was his girlfriend's sister yep that had gone missing correct okay 
Now, they did extensive searches in the area, but the skull was the only thing that ended up being found. Jennifer's case is still unsolved, and we will be touching on it in a couple of weeks. It was just too much to add to another case. I know we've done a couple before, and it just it's a really long case, and I just want to give her case as much exposure as we would be giving Felicia. So I'm going to break it up and it'll be the next case I cover. So in like two to three weeks, you should be seeing that one come. Now in December 2015, the 25 acre property of Steve's was sold and the new property owners allowed Pauline to search the area. Cadaver dogs from search and rescue dogs of PA based in Malvern were used in searching the property on August 20th, 2016. According to two reports from the search, the dogs made favorable hits. One of the dogs located a deteriorating tarp under debris and hit at a burn pile in an open field. Then two of the dogs hit at a spot inside the barn where Pauline believes her daughter was dismembered. And we'll kind of get into why she has this theory. And the only reason I'm calling it theory is because like the police haven't confirmed. So to them, they think that it's what happened. But since it's not like confirmed, we're going to leave it as theory. No bones were ever found after these searches and they did extensively search. Apparently state police also had cadaver dogs at Stephen's property, like we mentioned before, but they didn't release anything of what they found. John Ackerman, a Westmoreland County deputy coroner and cadaver dog handler said that well-trained cadaver dogs can detect human decomposition years after a body has been moved or buried, which is kind of crazy. Never knew that. That is crazy. Never knew that. He also said that it's possible the dog can detect human decomposition or tissue even after 12 years, which is also... Holy cow! Yep, also pretty crazy. Um, He compared body fluids and tissues to gasoline that the odor does not easily dissipate over time, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, but 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Kind of crazy. This property has been sold, I think has changed hands a couple of times since 2015. And I do know at least just like browsing some articles that that burn pile that was there had been kind of graded over and I guess seeded, which I guess if they didn't collect samples, I'm not sure if they did or not, I didn't mention, but it probably would be a problem later on if they tried to do the same search because they did disturb so much uh, of the layers of the soil. Mm Mm-hmm. So I did read that, um, which is kind of sad if they did want to, I guess, come back to it. Right. So Pauline is super desperate for closure. She just wants to be able to bury Felicia's body so she can visit and place flowers. Just knowing she is at eternal rest would mean the world to Pauline. The final goodbye, which I think we've talked about with like other families, you know, them knowing that a family member is dead is one thing, but like not having their body at rest is a complete, completely different thing. Yeah. And the family and friends really just want that. Sure. Just a little bit of closure. Yes. Absolutely. In 2021, the case was handed over to Ed Urban, who has investigated multiple homicide cases and other major criminal cases. He said she's not a statistic. She was a person who had hobbies and interests. It's definitely an active investigation, and we continue to talk to people exploring different avenues. Pauline says that Felicia loved the outdoors, such as camping and long hikes in the woods. She loved to sit down around a campfire. Felicia was friendly and loved animals. She was always bringing home animals. There was nothing bad about her. She was just a good kid with a big heart. She always looked out for the underdog. 
Um, and this is all according to her mom when her mom did an interview. Her brother, Jesse, said that she would come home with a few chickens because she wanted free eggs. And all I can think is me, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> me, too. Why? Well, I have so many ducks. Every year there is a visual held and they play Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, because that was her favorite song. And honestly, I'm not a Pink Floyd fan, so I'm I'm not familiar with that song. Are you? Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's kind of eerie that that was her favorite song and you know yeah wish you were here exactly but mm. it's kind of sad (laughs) that hurts my heart (laughs) yeah felicia was the oldest of seven and she would always help her mom with her siblings pauline now has 12 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren and one of the girls named after felicia and that's why another reason why it was so hard because they were interviewing pauline and the youngest Felicia and I kept getting confused. I'm like, wait, what? How are they interviewing uh, her? And then I had to like yeah. go back and find that small little detail. I was like, I am so confused right now. Um, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. So they do have a big family and they're all kind of, you know, really looking for answers. And it is in like a small town. Rumors spread like crazy. So we're going to move into the theory portion. And it is intense. Really intense. So Pauline Bailey, her mom and her best friend, Judy, have been searching for answers since she disappeared. I mean, like extensively, like that's pretty much what she focuses on pretty hardcore. Over the years, they have collected and compiled tips, stories, pictures, you name it, since she's gone missing. They've, you know, kind of been piecing everything together. Pauline says that when Jennifer Barzalowski went missing, it consumed Felicia because they were friends. Felicia had been asking questions and poking around. Her mother believes that it was her actions of playing amateur detective that kind of led to her untimely death. It was Felicia's belief that Steve Martin killed Jennifer and buried her in his basement. And that's like a super specific theory, I think. Yeah, it is. Pretty crazy. Now, they all kind of had the same friend group and kind of partying with the same, you know, type of people, Steve. And I think Ed was also friends with Jennifer, even though Jennifer seemed a little bit younger. But I think she was probably brought along because of her sister who was dating Steve. You know, they were all kind of surrounded by these people. And so we're going to fast forward to the night of the 11th and there was so much local talk like later on over the months and years since she pat um since she went missing that there was this party and there were they're very adamant that there were 17 other guests i mean i think that's very specific who knows but that is specific yeah pauline says there were 17 guests and there was a party in hunluck hunluck township what pauline and judy have pieced together is at this party I they don't know who was hosting it, but Steve Martin was there. Between him and a handful of other guys, they convinced her to go into a bedroom to smoke. She willingly went with them, but shortly after, there was screaming coming from the room. Apparently, one of the men that went into the room had a camera, like a guest saw, you know, these people walk in, and one had a, um, a video camera with him. One of the guests assumed that they were raping her and videoing it, which is awful. Others told Judy that another guest rushed out of the house because they were worried the screams would attract the police. And now it's important to note, like, drugs were going on at the same time. And kind of, I think, why no one really wanted to call the police in the first place, because they didn't want to, 
you know, get caught with drugs. It was never said what kind of drugs were being done, but I'm assuming they were probably not the best drugs. If you're more worried about getting caught with them than someone dying, but you know. Yeah, I'm that I can't get over that. I'm like seriously. Yeah, pretty rough. And but I'm also wondering if she really went in that room willingly because she already thinks that this guy murdered someone yeah and that that person is in his basement and she's gonna go in a room with him and some other guys to do drugs like i think it's weird not adding up for me no not at all a handful of witnesses say they saw ed there too which is interesting since he told police that he was sleeping (laughs) that doesn't sound like sleeping but um They saw him in the particular room where Felicia was screaming. And it's rumored that the group of guys told him to take a walk because he couldn't handle like her screaming. Like, I guess like he cared about her, but maybe maybe she was maybe he had I don't know, had a closer friendship with Steve. And, you know, maybe he didn't know exactly what they were going to do X, Y and Z. Maybe he took her there. She thought it would be safe because he was there. And I guess maybe they wanted to scare her to stop snooping or I have no idea. And it kind of got out of hand, but apparently he really couldn't handle it. And he was asked to kind of like walk away. And, um, he ended up leaving. There was also another witness that said they saw her body when the door was opened at one point. Apparently she was wrapped in a blanket with the intention of them to bury her in the barn on the property. Uh, no one. And like I said before, no one called the cops because of the drug usage happening. That's so scary that you're surrounded by people, 17 other people allegedly at this party. But they're all staying quiet because there were drugs there. Yep. And I mean, I don't think they stayed. I mean, they obviously didn't call that night, but a lot of them have been talking to the family, talking to other locals. And that's how they've been able to piece, I guess, piece together all of this. Right. And apparently, like, a lot of her friends were there as well. So it's like really confusing. Like, I guess she thought she was going to be in a safe spot. Like, it wasn't just like it was her and then Steven and then just some randos. Like, there are people that they usually partied with. Okay. And that is like one of the worst things, being somewhere where you think you're safe and and completely yeah. getting your trust taken. I don't know. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Police will not confirm this story, but Trooper Kelly said that they got stories of her going to a party that night. He did confirm that. He said when she left the party, she left with Stephen Martin and another male. The other male was dropped off and her and Steve, Stephen Martin. I, I keep going between Steve and Stephen. Um, that's how I saw it. So sorry. I'll go with Stephen. Stephen Martin continued on their way. Felicia was never seen again after that. Trooper Kelly says that is why Steve Martin is listed as a person of interest because he was the last to physically see her. But I'm just confused, just as you were, because if Felicia really thought that Stephen killed Jen, why the hell are you alone with him? Yeah, I don't. It does not add up. The only only thing I could think of. The only thing I could think of is her like trying to like befriend him to try to get like answers from him. But still. To be alone with him, if you know he has that much, to think that he has that much power just confuses me. Right. I don't know. Trooper Kelly also said, it's a possibility Felicia found out too much. For me to say how close she was getting, I can't officially say that because we don't know, but it's definitely something that's been tossed around, that she had information. Police say they've heard some crazy stories about what happened at the party, but think that the use of drugs could be affecting their memory. That's very possible. 
It is. And it's kind of hard. I'm guessing some of their stories don't exactly line up. And they did do a search of the property. And I'm assuming they didn't find anything too crazy because, I mean, they would have found something, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But because of these stories, Pauline really thinks that she was taken to the barn, dismembered, and then burnt in that burn pile. Because that's what Hugo Solinsky did to his victims. And like I said before, they would burn them so bad that they couldn't even tell the remains. They knew that it was 12 different humans, but they couldn't ID them. They could only ID two of them. Wow. So who's to say, um, Stephen didn't do the same exact thing that Hugo was doing. And that is like a huge other theory that um, Hugo Selinsky's cohort were kind of just following out his like sadistic, evil, crazy, you know, not plans, but desires, if you will. Yeah. It's possible. And it's just strange. Why? Why would you kill yourself if, you know, you didn't do more? If you're innocent. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just Agreed. totally weird that Jennifer Skull would end up so close to his house, but then, like, not the rest of her body was there. Maybe it was planted. I did, like I said, we're going to do a case um, later on about her, but I did find it interesting because her skull, I guess they had, um, I forget who exactly checked it, but they didn't find any, like, serrated cuts as if she was, like, decapitated with, like, a saw or anything like that, which I thought was weird and interesting. But we'll talk more about that later. But it's just interesting that it was so close to him, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we're going to go to another theory. And this one is that it was a snuff group operation because these people are going missing. Someone saw a video camera. And it's a possibility. And I'm pretty sure I'm like on a list now for looking up information about snuff films. Um, Probably. Probably. But if you're unsure what a snuff film is, it is a genre or of a video that shows scenes of actual homicide. And I was looking stuff up, like I said, and apparently like all they're like, oh, snuff films are like hoaxes x y and z but i know for a fact that they're not and something that might come to mind uh that maybe you've heard of is the show don't f- with cats hunting an internet killer on netflix and that's based what on a wild ride oh yeah it's intense oh, like um wow i watched it with sean and sean was like i'm only watching it because of the name <laughs> and he was hooked and he had never heard of that story which blew my mind I'd never heard of that story. Oh, really? Oh. I hadn't until I watched it. Oh, it's intense. Yeah. If you have not seen it, I mean, I think it's so crazy how like just ordinary people who are not detectives, not investigators were able to basically locate this man. But anyway, um, highly suggest it. But it was based on true events of Luca Magnata, and it follows his progression to the snuff film of him killing and dismembering of Lin Jun. Lin Jun? I could be saying it wrong. I haven't watched the show in forever, so I'm sorry if if I pronounced it wrong. Like I said, I tried to search more information about, like, snuff groups, if they're, if, like, they make a lot of money, X, Y, and Z. I read that apparently they're more made to show fear not to bring in cash. Apparently, there's a lot of, like, I guess on the dark web, 
tons of gore sites that really like that kind of thing. Apparently when uh, Magnata had released that video, it got so many views and I'm sure it generates some type of money at some point. Maybe you're not making millions, but I think you'd probably make a decent amount. I would think. I don't know. How do you monetize a snuff film? Like I feel like for YouTubers and stuff, it's ad revenue, but who wants to advertise? I think some people, I, some of these sites you have to pay to get access to. That makes sense. Like I said, I don't think you'd be getting a lot of money, but, um, and it's technically not illegal to watch a snuff film. It's like illegal to obviously kill somebody and it's illegal to physically be in the room watching someone kill someone, but you can legally watch a snuff film and like really not get in trouble for it. I do want to say for the Luca Magnata case, the um his victim Lynn's family they were able to somehow pull that video and I think it's like really hard to find it even if you do and like honestly you shouldn't watch it for like the respect of the victim but apparently you can get them pulled I don't know what like is involved in it I don't think they talked about that thoroughly in the show but I know that you can get them pulled and honestly I guess I was under the impression that maybe there weren't are not a lot of snuff films, but apparently there's like a huge list. I only came across like, uh, Luca's is called one lunatic, one ice pick. Um, but apparently there is like a really popular one called three guys, one hammer. And it's based in the Ukraine. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Never heard of that one. Uh, I have. Um, I mean, I've never seen any of these because I can't imagine. Yeah. And I just think it's like super naive because like a lot of the stuff on like your basic searches just say, oh, snuff films are a hoax. They're definitely not. And a snuff film doesn't have to just be a person. I think it can be animals as well. But there was never anything like super valid. No one ever found a tape of, you know, anything happening to Felicia. I don't know. They asked round. Like I said, police said that with all the drug usage happening they really weren't taking a lot of these local stories as face value. Right. So who, who knows? That's horrifying. That's just, I don't know. I feel like I've seen a lot of things and I've heard about a lot of things and just that just gets under my skin. What snuff film? Like snuff, like snuff films in general, or that this could have happened to her. Just, I don't know. It's disgusting. I'm sure there's a stronger word for it, but it's disgusting. And honestly, I feel like we see it all the time. This case is older and really like, I guess, doesn't the police don't don't really they say it's active, but I don't think they're taking all of like the hints as seriously as maybe they should. But the thing is, like this area and getting closer to there is developing like freaking crazy i'm sure at one point or another developments will go up earth will you know yeah. be disturbed bad weather i think that's how jen's skull ended up you know being discovered because like i think they got a lot of water that week if i remember correctly it could be wrong but something about the weather which was like a super help in finding that skull i feel like it potentially can happen for felicia's case 
in yeah, that in that area absolutely. you have yeah in that area you have tons of people doing trails going there specifically to hike you know forage x y and z those paths are constantly being traversed yes it's a huge area but what's the likelihood of someone you know being able to you know maybe not everyone is traversing all these crazy difficult paths but someone there'll be someone hopefully and hopefully she's found yeah i hope so but it, yeah it's got to be tough and i imagine like if her remains were on the mountain and you know weather happened and they got you know there was kind of like a landslide type situation and that could move them significantly like yeah stuff is always being moved and it's got to be tough well another thing that i read in the um when i was looking at that article about the tracking dogs uh, i know we've talked about a couple cases but I've, i guess like They've never went into like 100% details, but apparently when dogs, when they hit, that can be within a certain radius of where the actual, like, I guess, human decomp is. So that's what makes it hard to even find, you know, those remains to begin with, because it could be, I forget if they said 25 to 50 like feet away, but I don't know. It's sad. Very sad. So Felicia Albina Thomas was last seen wearing a rust-colored wool fringe sweater, a blue collared polo shirt with the logo Pump and Pantry on it, white pants, gray Nike sneakers, a blue Pump and Pantry hat, and a homemade beaded hemp necklace. She was 110 pounds and she was 5 feet 6 inches. Her date of birth is January 5th, 1982. She is a white female with light brown hair and blue eyes. Both of her arms have scars on them from dog bites. She has freckles on her face and was known to smoke. She is listed as an endangered missing person. If you have any information, please call Pennsylvania State Police at 570-697-2000 or you can call Crime Stoppers anonymously toll free at 1-800-4PA-TIPS and there is a cash reward in I think it's listed on the Charlie Project, and it doesn't say an amount, but apparently you can call anonymously. They give you a type, I guess, of like a number that you keep track of, and then you can call in and check and see if your number led to, I guess, valid information regarding her, and you can claim your money. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.